Welcome to episode 285 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. On today's show, I am talking to Gabriel Weinberg, and um, Gabriel needs no introduction. If you have not heard of Gabriel, you should definitely Google Gabriel Weinberg. And the reason why um, he's on the show today is to talk about um, the re-release of his book, Traction. And I'd also personally really like to uh, catch up with him about how DuckDuckGo has been progressing. Anyway, uh, Gabriel, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. And uh, it'd be really interesting to hear about what you've been up to. Sure. Thanks. It's always having me back. Um, so last year, as you may recall, we released Traction, a book that helps you attraction. And nice. it took us many years to release it, um, as I've talked about on the show many times. Um, but it, it, it was a good success. We've sold out about 35,000 copies to entrepreneurs. Um, and it got picked up by a major publisher, Penguin. Um, right. And so we, in getting it picked up, we read, basically when we first put it out, we had to cut it off somewhere and I wanted to keep editing it because I'm a little embarrassed of some of the, <laughs> the stuff that's in there. Because it was minimum viable. It was minimum kind of viable. I mean, it was, it was, I don't even know if you call it that. I edited it so many times, but it's, I was still embarrassed of various things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I still had to release it. Right. Um, so in this re-release, uh, more professional editing, um, it, it just reads a lot nicer. And then I also had a chance to, you know, I went, I, I did a lot of talking to readers, a lot of people, um, giving comments about what they may have interpreted, what we wrote. And I noticed a few things that people were misinterpreting time and time again, um, or that I did a bad job explaining more likely, um, or Justin and I. And so we addressed those things in the rewrite. Kind of happy to talk about that. Um, and then for DuckDuckGo, um, last fall, I forget when we talked last, but we were included in Apple, um, iPhone, on iOS and then also on desktop. Yeah, you'd met, you, you had mentioned that. So I was wondering like what kind of step function that created for you and also have you seen any other step functions after that? It was a good step function. <laughs> I could believe it. Uh, and then we also got included in Firefox shortly after, which was kind of another step function. Um, Great. So so what, are we, what, what kind of monthly search volume are we talking about now? We're doing about 300 million searches a month, about 10 million a day. And that's pretty impressive. The, I, I'm very happy about it on the kind of negative side related to the traction piece, you know, in the book, we have this, you know, bullseye framework to find your traction channel. Um, and then when it kind of tops out, you have to kind of do it again. Right. So that traction channel was business development, you know, doing partnerships with, in this case, Apple and Mozilla, there's not a lot of other ones we can do. <laughs> um, yeah. so, you know, we're having a hard trouble getting into Chrome, for example, as you might ex imagine. And so now we're essentially back to the drawing board, you know, running our own traction test again, trying to find a channel that'll move the needle, um, which is always interesting. And so we're trying, you know, we're running a bunch of different experiments there. It's almost like you need, you need some, you know, just major public awareness drive, really. But it's, yeah, I mean, how, how could that even work? I mean, Bing, uh, Bing who've pumped you know, many hundreds of millions still can't break that market. I think you're, I think you're actually totally right. I mean, I think if people, I, I like to use a test, I need to coin a better name, but like the wake up test. If everyone in the country woke up tomorrow and kind of knew your value proposition, what would your market share be? Mm. Um, I think our if that happened to us, I think our market share would be quite great. Um, because I think the differentiation on privacy 
um, is real and a large percentage of you know, people would like a good search experience where they're not tracked. So I think we do have a brand awareness problem. That said, it is really expensive to raise brand awareness numbers yeah. in a mainstream way. Yeah. Um, and so that's what we're trying to do is just find a sustainable kind of way to do that. Um, so like, in other words, if we could put the $200 million thing did or whatever, I think it would work for us. Um, but we don't have that kind of money. Yeah. How big, how big is the team now? We're about 35 people, um, about 25 full-time, 10 part-time. Remind me, uh, they maybe just digressing a little bit, but remind me what the tech stack is like for how are you, uh, what's the main kind of database that you're using? Um, to answer the, all those queries? So we have focused on instant answers more than anything else in the last few years. We have this open source instant answer platform called DuckDuckHack, yeah. where any you know, developer can um, you know, suggest and create an instant answer seen by everyone who uses DuckDuckGo. Um, those instant answers have a bunch of different types of data stores based on kind of where the data is coming from. And so there, there isn't really a succinct answer to your question because we use a lot of different types of data stores depending on um, what the data is because a lot of that data is all structured. So sometimes we, we'll go to the API in real time. Sometimes we'll put it in Postgres. Sometimes we'll use Solar. Uh, sometimes we use our own kind of index. So there's no like abstraction layer where there's a single point of data? Um, not really. The abstraction layer that we really built and concentrate on is kind of a classification engine. So you're typing in a query and we're figuring out which sort, which instant answer sources to go grab from. Um, that's really the abstraction piece. Once the instant answers are identified, then it's going off to these different data stores. And they're abstracted in the sense that there's only four of them. But um, there could be a variety of types. It's interesting. The reason why I asked the question is because I'm thinking of the way that Google developed their own database to, you know, their own actual kind of database in C <laughs> and that, you know, and they use that to um, give you really quick results. But when I use DuckDuckGo, I mean, I get really quick results. So I'm just wondering, you know, how, how, how did you do it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's challenging because what we're basically saying is, these other data sources have the best answers for certain types of queries, right? So you might go to Yelp for restaurants or, um, you know, IMDb for movies. And then we're trying to replicate that against literally thousands of small niche categories, right? Um, for a lot of those, we can bring the data in-house and make it quick, like your Google example. For some of those, like Yelp, we have to go out in real time to Yelp and ask them for the data, which can be slow. Yeah. Um, and so that's a lot of caching of different yeah okay points. yeah um heavy caching heavy regional servers that kind of stuff cool and so so that so the team i think there was more like a 20 you had 20 people the last time i spoke to you so you're bringing them on um, what's what's your I, I don't want to say what's your target team size obviously that's that's completely not <laughs> sensible but like I, I don't know what 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 do you think the step functions of the organization are going to look like every time i say a target we break it and then i feel bad um <laughs> Honestly, I've been trying to keep it as small as possible. And we've been trying, you know, we still hire everyone from our community. Um, and, but, you know, we've broken up into teams and we have kind of a scalable process of onboarding and, and selecting projects. So I, I don't have a good answer to your question, except that it seems like 
positions we need just keep popping up. <laughs> yeah. That's we have kind of a just in time hiring thing going on, you know, where the need is clearly identified and then we go hire for it. But it's just there's just so much to do. That's great. So you say from the community. So you look through the people who are building APIs and then you you kind of try and source them that way or what do you mean by from the community? I mean the real answer is is we really look to people who are really into DuckDuckGo yeah. to be hired. Um, and so we generally, you know, if someone comes along and it's just like, hey, I'm super experienced, they're obviously qualified and good and they want a job, but they're not really a DuckDuckGo user and don't really have any great product feedback, um, we won't um, hire that person. That's That's an interesting discussion. It's something I've been thinking about because in a lot of jobs that I've been at and, and managed developers, there's been very few scenarios where the developers have worked there because they were super passionate about the business. They, I mean, uh, like a lot of developers are very, very happy to create amazing work just because they love the art of creating stuff. Yes. I mean, it's totally true. And that's, we've had that debate internally, especially when it's been hard to hire for some positions. That said, you know, we're like a very product driven company and most of our like things that we're doing involve product decisions and UX, the way we're organized, you know, we basically give people full stack projects. And if you're not really attuned to the search engine and the product experience, and you can't really articulate good product feedback, then it just has turned out empirically you're not really a good fit. So you give people full stack projects. That's interesting. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's evolving slowly, but yeah. That's interesting. So there's no like, there's no specialist. There's no one guy who, you know, I just make everything faster. You know, I just scale stuff. They just kind of all work on a little like segment, but the segment from the top down. We have some, some, you know, it, it's slowly maybe becoming more specialized. Um, but, you know, like we have some people specialize in front end versus back end. But, you know, in terms of being in charge of a project and coming up with decisions, to make product decisions, it seems like everyone has some of that going on. We just got slightly sidetracked there. Um, we <laughs> we <laughs> no should worries. be talking about the traction, right? So um, regarding the, the progress and traction, one thing I wanted to say, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. So you, I think your, your Penguin team sent me a link uh, to get a copy of it. So I don't know whether that is the way that it gets publicly distributed, but the DRM was super heavy on that actually to the point where it was very difficult for me to get to get it. I did finally get it and I got, got a little chance to look at it. But I was wondering what you thought about being in bed with such a heavily DRM company, you know, given that DuckDuckGo is so much about freedom. Um, I would love to send PDF around, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's not their policy. <laughs> and I, I didn't realize necessarily that that was going to be the case, you know, like exactly what happened. Um, but I mean, I, I see their point you know, for the pre-release stuff. Yeah. Um, Cause it, it's not out yet. Um, it makes but sense. in any case, they, they, uh, they let me give, you know, the same chapters away for free on the website. So if anyone signs up, they can get the first three chapters in a regular PDF, non-DRM format. <laughs> yeah. It's, it was super hard because, you know, the only options are sending it to Kindle and in a way that didn't work, even though I tried like three email addresses. And then the other one is um, installing some Adobe, DRM system. But no, I just thought it was funny because it was, um, 
it was just it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like you right it's it's kind of like in juxtaposition to the gabriel that we know (laughs) but i'm sure yeah Yeah, it makes sense that it's just for reviewers it does make sense and i'm sorry for you i don't mean to give you a hard time no 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 no, i totally get it i mean there's a higher level point here which is you know we got traction for traction right and we followed the methodologies from the book and it worked well but then you know similar in DuckDuckGo kind of popped out yeah um it actually didn't top out in the sense that like even when we stopped marketing the book it kept selling month after month well but it, it wasn't growing and that makes sense because we weren't putting any effort into it yeah <laughs> but when we looked at it it was like okay we could double down more on our email list which is what you would generally do like that was the track channel it seemed like it would scale the most but that was a lot of effort and neither justin or i had time to do it so we basically decided that the other track channel we'd go for was business development and try to partner with a big publishing firm yeah i mean it, it um, makes sense it's like the equivalent of getting integrated into uh, google or something uh ooh, sorry five yeah right and, and as, as a very i mean where i was going with that is a very clear win there is they're going to get it in bookstores for real um whereas we never wanted to do that because it's a lot of effort so so there's a fair old chance that that it's going to be on the new york times bestseller list which is going to be pretty awesome i think that is a very slim chance (laughs) but it'd be great like i hope the next time we're speaking hey i'm speaking to gabriel weinberg author of uh, a book on the New York Times bestseller list. That's going to be... Everyone listens to this pre-order, so then maybe... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think our listenership is that big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, great. So that's good. Actually, you've already already answered a couple of questions that I had. Um, was there anything else um, that you thought would, would be interesting about to bring up about the experiences that you've had with traction and getting traction for traction? Any surprises that you had? Yeah, I mean, there. so there's getting traction for traction and there's kind of what we saw people messing up and then what we adjusted in the book. Um, both, I think, are kind of interesting. Um, the getting traction for traction piece, I mean, I the besides the email list, the thing that worked the best was podcasts, honestly. Really? Um, oh. Yeah, which was super interesting. So I'm doubling down on podcasts this time around. Wow. <laughs> which... I went looking for it the other day and it's only been, you know, about a year since, you know, I started doing this promoting the book last year. There's like a ton of new podcasts. Like it really has exploded. That's great. I, I was pretty surprised. Like just, they all popped up, you know, in existence in the last year. And so how, I mean, is it very easy? I mean, it must be easy for you to just get to become a guest on a podcast. You just like send them an email. Hey, it's Gabriel Weinberg. Can I, uh, it's not, it's not that easy. You, 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 I think you feel that I'm more internet famous than I am. <laughs> um, you know, in, in startup land, yes. In greater marketing entrepreneurship land, no, because like the small business, you know, market is just huge. Millions and millions of people who aren't really in the tech startup oh, world. Okay, so you're, so you're like, so the book is targeted outside of the startup niche? I mean, outside of the tech startup yeah, niche? Yeah, it, it, in the rewrite, we're basically you know, trying to take it a little further, which, you know, I, I totally think it's useful for essentially anyone trying to run a business and learning about all the marketing channels they can use um, and how to use them. And so, yeah, we're tr- I'm trying to go a little further. So last year we really just targeted tech, you know, entrepreneurs. Um, and this time around, I'm trying to reach out to, you know, essentially all business owners. Um, Sorry, does that include, are you including things like, I don't know, internet marketing podcast, like uh, 
people like jo- yes. Joel Com, like you know, like it's almost when you look at the podcast, you're not quite sure if if it's legal to be looking at the podcast because there's all the, the website because yeah. they're just so sham wow. Like, are you almost thinking about those kind of things as well? You know, yes. I mean, I what I did literally, like, you know, the la- last few days was just kind of look at all the top podcasts in the area, you know. And yes, there are some ShamWow podcasts, um, and they kind of hurt my eyes. But they have a lot of listeners, and they they talk about their audience seems to be people that yeah. are directly related to the book, you know. Um, so I I, I I did what you said. I literally emailed them. And, you know, I heard back from a few so far, but I have no idea how well that's going to go. That's great. I'd, we'll I'd, love, to, I'd love to get, <laughs> are you going to have a page with a list of all the crazy stuff you've done? Yeah, I, I very well may do that. I mean, I, I have an internal list now. I'm keeping hanging all these people, you know. I wrote up the whole the whole thing for getting traction retraction earlier this year when we had sold like 12,000 copies or something um, and wrote up the whole procedure, including the podcast I've been on the date then. Um, that's on medium now. So you, you are also running DuckDuckGo. This is something I often wonder about Jason Calacanis. Like how does, how does he keep investors happy that he has such a big, <laughs> you know, other world profile and stuff that he does as well as running the company that they've invested in? Yeah. I mean, I've spent all, I spent all my time at DuckDuckGo basically. Yeah. Um, but I definitely committed. I feel when I decided to do the Penguin for this um i am, was committing to myself to make this launch go well um and so for this next two months i'm using all my extra spare time i'm not really taking that much time with to go but i'm putting all my leisure time <laughs> if i didn't have much but i'm putting the rest of it into making the launch go well i suppose one thing that keeps investors happy is when they see doc doc goes numbers grow so much they're like hey do whatever you want as long as you're growing that thing we're happy <laughs> Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, the, you know, some people think like there may be some overlap, but honestly, it's like the, you know, the the traction efforts don't really help DuckDuckGo. I I don't know about Jake, in in terms of like Jason's case, maybe they do, you know? Are you doing it just to kind of help the community? I mean, what's your, what's your... Yeah, I mean, really, I just think the, the method that we came up with in the book is extremely useful. Um, and I think the book has been useful and I got fueled by all the readers who told us so. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to see it go to a wider audience mm. and I'm going to give it this one more shot. And then I think that's really good. That's it. And so, and are you, do you speak at conferences about it? I mean, do you have any upcoming conferences or anything like that? No, I don't really go speak at conferences. Um, mainly because I don't like speaking at conferences, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, another good reason is I I have small kids and it's hard to travel and you know it's just it's just kind of a pain. Justin may go speak at some conferences. So, were there any other any other kind of takeaways from the release of Traction and now moving? Like, what was it like negotiating with Penguin, for example? Um, it was it was quite easy because we had an agent um, who knew everything um, and just kind of did it all. Who was really experienced. Mm. Um, and so if you didn't get an agent like that, then I recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, I guess it was pretty important for the agent that you'd already shown traction for traction, right? Yeah. I mean, we had a good introduction from other people that he works with and yeah, exactly. And then he helped us craft the proposal and then he kind of went off and he, he already had contacts everywhere. Um, 
and it went pretty quick and smooth after that. So do they do they say like so? You've you've sold thirty five thousand copies. Do they? Do Penguin themselves give you some kind of goal expectation for where it's going to go? Um, not really. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they're, they're looking and to recuperate, right? I mean, is it too much information to say what they've what they're going to invest or? I don't. It might be confidential. Oh, okay. so I'm not yeah. Sure. No worries. No worries. Um, I'm actually not. I'm not totally not unsure on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they definitely want to recuperate. <laughs> and I think the bet is that, you know, since it was selling month after month, that it could really be an evergreen type of book, you know, that would sell for years and years. Yeah. Um, and that's the hope. You mentioned that about the, you know, being a dad, um, I'm also <laughs> a dad and, you know, I find that kind of like challenging doing the kind of level of stuff that I do. I, w- I wonder how how challenging you find that like how do you manage that scenario being a dad being a dad and being a an entrepreneur and i think you also do office hours are you still doing the office hours stuff still working with lots of other uh, you know still working as an angel investor and uh, advising angel yeah yeah i'm doing less specifically office hours yeah um but yeah i'm still doing much of that stuff i mean i have a very set schedule yeah i don't know about you but like so essentially in the morning and in the evening i'm with the kids yeah. um, and the other times during the day. And then late at night, I'm doing all this stuff. I mean, so are you, are you in the same house as where the kids are during the day? No, I have an office. Yeah. You see, I am still in the same house and it's definitely an issue. I don't know if you were ever in that state, but it's definitely an yeah, issue. No, I was, and it, it, it was, it's a, it was way, way better after I got an office. Yeah. I've been thinking, I've been wondering about that. Um, because it's just like daddy's always available and you know, you've just got to knock on the door and it's almost like, what, why is he behind the door there? Like, why is he behind the door and not available to me? Like, I don't understand yeah, I mean, this morning in particular, like AJ drive my youngest to preschool, which is down the street from the office. And he wanted to stay home a little longer because my other one is home, you know? Um, and I said, sure. And I tried to work for an hour there while they were doing their thing. Yeah. It was just like chaos, you know. They were just screaming basically the whole time. Let's see. Fraction thinking, chapter two of your book. Maybe we'll go through a little, a few of the, few of the chapters. If, I mean, if, the, if there's anything else that you wanted to bring up about it that you thought was interesting, please do. Yeah, I mean, there, there, were, there were, there were literally like a few things that I just think people continually misinterpret or go against their biases so much that they have a hard trouble getting their head around. And I tried to rewrite the introduction, um, the introductory first five chapters to kind of, you know, improve, uh, hopefully drill that in people's heads a little more. So, I mean, the first one, which we, I think talk about in that chapter is, you know, spending half your time on traction, you know, this 50% rule. Um, and people generally buy that, you know, like, our basic argument is if you don't get traction, you die. Yeah. So you should be spending time on it. That's, that's pretty easy to get. But what they don't get is, you know, they need to be spending time on it really early. Um, and like pre-launch and the like kind of the non-intuitive metaphor we use is the leaky bucket metaphor, which is very common, right? So you pour in money in this case to get customers and they all, it all falls out because your bucket's very leaky and your product sucks, right? Um, and people then say, well, obviously then I shouldn't spend any money or effort on traction because my product sucks. Mm. Um, and that's the non-intuitive piece. 
where we say, no, you should be spending a little bit of money to get coal. It doesn't really have to be money. You know, you could be doing this through time, but time's kind of money. Um, to get a cold stream of customers through so you can really find where those holes are and plug them because your general customer development, product development process of, you know, asking your beta users are generally too close to you. They're telling you too much what you want to hear. Um, and additionally, from doing a cold, like going through actual Facebook ads or, or whatever traction you're using to get those customers, um, you're testing your messaging, you're trying to figure out what niche you can launch on, um, all these things that otherwise you would need to figure out right at launch and often create additional product development cycles when you figure out, hey, none of this stuff is working. <laughs> um, and so doing it really early is something that, and starting like almost immediately is something that people were having a really hard time grasping. It's a, a question that I had, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts, like the stoking the traction fire. Like, so it's like this fire that you're putting coal into and the more coal, the kind of brighter that it burns. Does that ever end with a company? For example, let's say Coke. And I, I mean, I mean, something that's just a really simple product, Coke. If they just stopped putting marketing dollars in today, would, would that then be the beginning of their half-life and they would just slowly fizzle out? Definitely. I mean, and you see that all the time in big brands like that, like, you know, PNG or something has like a gazillion brands, right? And they'll stop marketing one of them and they're, the market share of that thing start slowly drop. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it ever, it ever really stops. So you and, have to, and, for, the, for the entirety of your business, you have to stoke the traction fire. Yeah, definitely. Um, even, even if you're doing, even if you're focused on channels that aren't paid, right? Um, say inbound channels like content marketing or, you know, even viral. I mean, you have to be constantly maintaining those processes. And I think you'll see every business that's mature, they have a sales and marketing spend that, um, you know, stays year after year. And I think your premise is, well, maybe they don't have to, maybe they should just shut it off. Um, but there are definitely cases where mature businesses do shut it off and then they start, they start dying. It's funny because Uber, for example, I mean, I guess they obviously have traction channels, but they don't do any kind of traditional marketing. Um, but they I, I think they do in the sense that, you know, they had, I'm sure it's changed a bit now, but maybe not internationally, but they had a playbook, you know, to go to every city and when they launched in a city, they were definitely doing marketing. Like I remember when they launched here in Philadelphia, um, they went to like every startup group and gave away free rides and did events and gave away more free coupons. Yeah, and so it's especially timely that I ask you about this because I did a I did a soft launch of of Light, and listeners to the show will know about Light. It's my coffee and food delivery app, and I did a soft launch and basically handed out I don't know like three four hundred cards. And based on that handout, got 20-ish orders from various different customers. And then a few customers did repeat orders over a week. And then I realized that, I'd met, obviously, I'd, I learned from the app that I built, I realized there was issues, like there was a massive drop-off between people installing and people signing up. So I needed to fix stuff on the app. There was also a big problem that I was only doing delivering Starbucks because it's such a specific time slot in the day. So I needed to add a, a lot of um, other stores. So I went to rework that, so to rework the app and decided that I wasn't going to continue with the marketing uh, of handing out the cards or anything. 
just so that I could go and do that work and also so that I wasn't wasting the gunpowder so that the next time I did it, it would be better. But the thing is, I was expecting it to just kind of keep trickling along, even with the repeat customers, but it just died, you know? And so this this kind of speaks to what you're talking about. Like, you've just, this thing you have to keep stoking, even if it's in a super local level, something very small. Yeah, and I would argue that you learned a lot from that 400, you know, right? Yeah. And if you... If you do nothing from now, you know, you, if you do another 400, you're going to learn again. Right. And you, you need to keep doing that or I mean, one, it'll die, but two, I argue that, um, some people will, I mean, you're close to launch, but other people will just say, oh, I learned stuff. Now I need to build the whole version of the product new. But then they'll just keep building. You know, they'll go too far without getting another round of feedback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't. I I never want to kind of go longer than two to four weeks. I mean, unfortunately, because of going through the app store, there's there's a little bit of a lag time there. Each time I think that I've got something ready, I put it push it to the app store, and then I realize, oh no, there's this like massive bug in it, or there's some issue. So I think that I'm actually ready at this stage. I just need to wait my 11 days for the app to get approved, and then I'll be able to to do the, my next round of testing. But um, it's just it's just this this concept of it's like this constant pressure of stoking the fire that I have never really I don't know like with Plugio I had Plugio for some reason there does just seem to be a constant stream of traffic getting to that place I don't know maybe some businesses is are different you're you're lucky <laughs> <laughs> and, and that, that's good I mean if you can get that to happen you know pre product market fit then that's great because then you have that. Hook whatever you did initially to get that stream of customers worked. But, uh, and yeah. With DuckDuckGo, are you, are you looking to stop it, the numbers from dwindling or are you looking to, to keep the numbers growing, growing? I mean, what, like what, what is your thinking now regarding growing? I mean, so we have a constant state of it slightly increasing, right? Yeah. Because there are people who are spreading it organically, yeah, organically um, which is yeah. great. And are, and we're pretty sticky, but like, I want to see it go from 10 million to 20 million next year. And so for that, we have to find like essentially a whole new channel, um, something that's way more leveraged and scalable. Um, and I don't have a great answer for that, hmm. but it leads me to another kind of non-intuitive point, which is I'd say the other main thing people, I feel kind of biased or misinterpret from the book. Um, even though we said it like a billion times and I rewrote it to be even better. Um, but it really counteracts our biases is that all the channels have been used for both, you know, enterprise and consumer and for all types of businesses to succeed. Um, and often the most underutilized channels in your industry or in general for a consumer enterprise are the best ones to use because they're, um, you know, underutilized. Yeah, because the pipe is like a pipe with water. It's just not full, so it's available. Yeah, but what I hear all the time is like, oh, uh, just tell me which ones are good for enterprise businesses or tell me which ones are good for consumer or, you know, th those, ones are, those ones are just good for, you know, SaaS businesses. Um, and, and, but it's always case-by-case case specific, basically. Yeah, exactly. And it's, um, it's, it's not only case-by-case, case, but like, it's not just the case that you're in an industry and then you got to use these it's case by case to the business, almost like you want to do the opposite of your industry. Yeah. Um, and you want to test 
like the, the least utilized ones, kind of like you're saying. And so people getting over that bias has been hard um, to get across. But is it because just people just want the easy answer? Basically, basically they're, they're, they're just so. saying, give, That's right. that could be the truth. Just give me the easy answer. I don't want to have to do the thinking. Like your, your book <laughs> says it, it, it teaches me how to do traction. Just give me the easy answer. I think that's probably what's going on. Yeah, that could be true. I mean, I, I always thought it might be just availability bias, you know, like, you know, I, I know about X, Y, or Z, so I'm going to use X, Y, or Z. Um, cause that's the mistake I, I had made at the beginning of DuckTechO. Like I knew about SEO, so I try to get DuckTechO to grow through SEO. Um, but it's, but it, it's a, it's a mistake I constantly see, um, again and again. Can you remind us about a uh, critical path? What does that mean in the traction book? Yeah, it's really another framework. I mean, I, I get asked a lot about, okay. Um, I have a traction goal. I have a traction channel. Um, you know, how do I execute towards that goal? And I, I guess that's a lot. It's probably the most question I get asked over email the most, like, how do I prioritize? Um, and we use this other framework at DuckDuckGo that I've called Critical Path, um, which in essence is, is quite simple. It's you have a path towards your goal of the absolute critical things you need to do to get to that goal, and you just stay on the path and do nothing else. Um, a good example of how this gets messed up with progressive traction is, say you run some experiments, right? So say in um, like you, you ran this card experiment, right? You handed out cards. Um, and say you did some targeted, I don't know what else you did so far, but say you did some, what, what, what have you done? Did you do like geo-targeted Facebook ads or anything? Well, that's going to be the next test. So, I mean, okay. Yeah. Right. So say, say you run that test, say you run the Facebook test, say you run, um, some other test, um, like local PR or something. Um, and they're all mildly successful, right? You, you get, you get, you got your 20 signups for each one, except the, you know, local, uh, the Facebook one was the best one. So yeah. They kind of like, this obviously was the it was, best. It was cheaper, but you still got the 20 signups. Yes. Um, the tendency for a lot of people is to keep doing all three because they were all moderately successful. Um, but the Facebook one, you know, is if you look at the numbers was way the best. It may be the only one that could be scalable to get to your actual attraction goal, which whatever in this case, I don't know what it would be, you know, like hundred deliveries a month or, so, or a week or something. Um, and so what you really should be doing is say my critical path really just involves focusing and for the traction side involves focusing on the Facebook one, dropping the other two. Uh, but people have a really hard time dropping the other two because they know that some amount of effort will get some amount of success out of it. So we just want to double down on the success. Exactly. If you have something that's working and it, it, you can see quantitatively the path, the quickest path from getting to you to your traction goal is through that traction channel, you know, double down on that and just get rid of everything else. And, and sim similarly, all the other stuff that you're doing, product development, feature-wise, you know, any other company activities, if it's not directly related on the critical path to that goal, I would not do it. You play backgammon. No, uh, I think I haven't asked like when I was like. I think I, I can't remember if I brought this up last time, but this this keeps on reminding me of this this stage in backgammon where you get your to get your piece to to win the game, you have to get all your pieces off the board. So you've got four quadrants, 
And when you move all your pieces into the, well, when you move, when a piece is in the fourth quadrant and all your other pieces are there, you can at that point start taking them off the board. And um, basically there's, there's just a certain, a certain pattern and a certain strategy that you can use to get the, the pieces off as quickly as possible. And I think it's very similar to the critical path concept that you're talking about. Anyone who's, who's played backgammon will know what I'm talking about. Basically, reverse, doing any other move. So you, you could do another move to advance a piece, a few squares, but that's the wrong move. The, the move is to get whatever you can off the board. And that's basically the right. same. Right. I think it's probably a good analogy because it feels like the, the wrong move there also feels productive, right? Right, You're exactly. Like moving it along. Yeah. yeah, but it's just not as productive as you could be. Yeah. So um, I suppose something else. So you, you've got another chapter, social and display ads. I mean, how kind of theoretical versus technical do you get into on that? Like, do you kind of compare networks or do you just talk about how to create campaigns? I mean, what, what, what aspect do you talk about? Yeah. So the book is really structured into two sections. So the first section um, is really the traction thinking framework, how to think about and execute the framework we define, you know, this critical path and bullseye stuff. Then we have, each of the traction channels identified, so all 19 then have a chapter in the second section of the book. And for each of them, we're essentially trying to give you an overview of how, at the end of it, how you might use this traction channel. And so we, we tell you high-level strategies as well as kind of getting started tactics as well as kind of like secret, you know, th things to kind of level up quickly there. Um, but it's not meant to be, you know, a complete guide to that because you can write a book on each of these channels. And so we really try to strike a balance of like essentially a getting started guide enough to help you run traction tests effectively. Um, and yeah, so in social display, it's, yes, we do talk about um, and, and give you kind of a crash course of the different, you know, ad networks you can use and, you know, have essentially a subsection on social on display. I mean, in your case, that's why I went directly to there because it seems like, you're being so hyper-local, a lot of the channels where you can really do hyper-local chat targeting, you know, makes a lot of sense. Um, and Facebook would be one of those, certainly. It's, uh, it's so tempting to say, <laughs> I'm looking through the chapters and all the different channels there, it's so tempting to say, which one is the best? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just like begs the question, like, are they ordered in, you know, in, in the order of which is the best? Um, do you, you know that, do you talk about, um, uh emailing like direct email yeah i mean um email market is a chapter in there oh, sorry, i don't mean email um, i mean real world mail oh yeah direct mail is we've categorized into kind of offline ads okay um and we, which we put together with tv radio as well um and billboards transit ads i mean it, it's a it's it's a very underutilized channel for a lot of tech startups um, a lot of old businesses are still using it um, but tech startups generally overlook it. They think of it as old media, you know, like why am I going to advertise in a magazine or something? Um, but it, it can be really effective. Have you seen, um, lob.com? No. So lo lob.com, I think it might be from YC, but, um, basically it just kind of enables you to, to print a, a postcard and then mail it to a zip or a portion of a zip. Interesting. And I think, and, and there's also, um, USPS has, uh, various different, services that you can do where you can just kind of they I, I don't know the name of it i'll put it in the show notes but um you can just go there type in a zip and you can click on different mail routes and just send 
a card to an, a mail route, you know, to, to a thousand people or whatever. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I wondered if you discussed any of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's another one that you probably want to maybe try, yeah. you know, um, what's great about those ones is, you know, the, hy- the hyper local thing is, is pretty cool. I mean, we basically say for a lot of these things, even if you're not a local startup, you know, it's like yours is obviously locally defined, right? But even if you're not a local startup, you can test a lot of these traction channels locally. Yeah. Um, and that's a great way to do it. And I think people don't really um, appreciate that. Keep people, exactly. Keep people, people really, really close to you, right? Yeah, just do it. Just it, it, it. One, you can do it really close to yourself and you can just go talk to yeah. people. Two, you know, people think like, oh, if I run this Facebook campaign, I got to run it, you know, to everyone in the world. And it, it just feels very donkey and expensive and complicated. But you can artificially segment it locally. And then all of a sudden, it's a lot cheaper. That, that's kind of the irony. Like, I, I think that the more targeted you do with these ads, the cheaper the price that they cost, right? I mean, or, or do they cost more? Am I, am I... It depends on the platform, but yeah, gen- generally you can get really cheap that way. I mean, there's a lot less volume for one, yeah. you know? Um, and you can really get a sense whether, you know, the, the other nice thing about it is if you're running any kind of business that has some kind of saturation effect, you can, you can really see if that's occurring or, or the opposite of it's having like a network effect in that area, you know? Um, so it's often good to like target. It. I mean, this, this totally worked. I mean, if I could go, if I went back to the days, the beginning of Plugio, I, I could imagine doing this just so that all my customers could be in Los, all my first customers could be in Los Angeles so that I could then go and talk to them. Like you say, you know, have one-to-one rather than just being customers from anywhere in the world. Yeah, you could try it. it, it it's a, it's a great strategy because then you can, you can leverage it further. Not only talk to them, you could. You know, a lot of companies, when they get bigger, they start doing meetups, right? And, you know, other offline events for their customers. Yeah. You could have done that sooner because if all your customers are concentrated in one area, all of a sudden, you know, other things are open to you. Is this like, a, is this like public advice or did we just come up with it right now? <laughs> um, I've never heard that people talk about this that much. Yeah. Honestly, it's, I think it's, I think it's good. I think we discovered something. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so... Um, I'm just looking through the chapters here. So there's so many things. So viral marketing, obviously, that's... I, viral marketing is one of these things that is, seems so elusive and so difficult to actually get right. I'm almost, I'm, I'm almost scared to use viral marketing. because you know. Yeah, I think we probably even scared people off more. Because um, to do it right, you have to kind of use some math, you know? <laughs> and I think that scares people off. I put the math in the book, but then... It's one of the changes we made was not put that chapter as the first traction channel okay. chapter because I didn't want to scare people off. Um, I, I do think it is hard to get right, but it also is it could could be good for a lot of businesses. I mean, uh, is it what you do? You think that is one of the big ones that you've used with DuckDuckGo? Yeah, and he, he, we have in inherently, but we haven't had a hard trouble, you know, actually make it, you know, using it to grow it or, or improve the viral coefficient if you want to get technical. Um, and we've been trying to do that recently with some experiments. We've been giving away t-shirts as an example to every, everyone who's kind of in a duck to go, we'll give them a free t-shirt. It's almost like 
the very nature of your business makes viral marketing hard because because viral marketing especially works on products that are like you know profile driven user you know where you've got lots of you know personal information about the user right and you're collecting <laughs> all that stuff like how do you viral market something where that is completely anonymous exactly it's hard in two respects it's hard that way because it's not kind of inherently part of the product in any way right um and the product isn't great very social uh, and then it's doubly hard because we can't actually try to tack it on in any way either because people want their search results right um the only reason why I think it might work is because DuckDuckGo is very sticky. I mean, you set up your search engine, you use it every day, multiple times a day. And, you know, people really like what we're doing. Um, they, you know, they have a brand affinity with our mission. Um, and so they're, they're very willing to spread it. And so there, there's the willingness there. And so then we just really need to figure out a way to remind people and help them spread it more effectively. And so one way to do that is, you know, put a message on the search engine that eventually, if you're a power user or a longtime user, you'll find, and then get a t-shirt to you, <laughs> which you'll wear, and then that'll help you spread it more. Huh. So that, that's what we're attempting to do. That's cool. What kind of um, people use DuckDuckGo? Do you have like a segment, like a, like a kind of uh, the pr- a profile of them, or is it just anyone and everyone? It is pretty much anyone and everyone. I mean, we, we've grown a lot from this word of mouth piece and from international press around privacy. And even the word of mouth piece is a lot around privacy. So we end up with a lot of people who are concerned with their privacy. Um, that said, you know, Pew has done a bunch of research on this over the past year. And that, that, that group, that demographic of people who care about the privacy is vast. You know, about 40, the last poll they did was 40% of Americans would prefer a no tracking search experience. And what was most interesting about it is demographically, it cut across all ages and political spectrum. It wasn't really correlated in the way that people, you know, for whatever reason, intuitively think it should be like young liberals. Um, it, it wasn't. I mean, it was, there really were hardly any demographic patterns. So as a result, we actually have a complete wide swath of, the traditional demographic things, you know, like age and political affiliation and gender. But we do have a lot of people who are concerned about the privacy. So, so who would DuckDuckGo vote for? Uh, liberal or dem- Democrat or uh, Republican? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I think they'd probably vote for the Libertarian candidate. Libertarian, okay. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, so also the engineering is marketing. Um, obviously, this, this is going to be uh, crazy for some of the the people who are the non techie people, um, but I, I'm guessing you've like uh, made it in, in a palatable form. To or, or did you just say, look, if you're if you're not a technical company, kind of skip over this section. You know, we probably didn't do a good job <laughs> of telling people that. But honestly, you know, you can hire people on Elance or something for very cheap, and this would be a perfect category for that because what it basically is is you know, creating a separate tool, free tool or calculator or widget or something that is related to your business, but people just want and need that wouldn't make a business of itself, but would feed it, but it's so complimentary that would feed into it. So a good example is in the book is HubSpot in this marketing software company creates this website called Marketing Grader, 
where you put in your domain name and it tells you how good you are in internet marketing. Um, a lot of these tools are pretty simple. Um, and so you can probably hire somebody to make one pretty quickly. Um, even if you don't, if you're not a tech shop. Okay. So you're, so you're not that, that chapter is not so much about in- integration marketing then do you, it, would that be covered with business development integration marketing? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Cool. Um, what's the, like, so what's the kind of best, um, examples of engineering as marketing that have like had the biggest success that you, you reference in the book? I mean, the HubSpot one is probably the biggest because they, okay. they you know, have IPO'd and, and done well. Another one we reference, which will probably also IPO is um, WP Engine, um, the WordPress hosting. Did you say WP Engine is IPO'd? No, I, I just think they're going to oh, at okay. some point. Yeah, that would be my guess. It's going to be doing pretty well. Um, you know, they made a they made a similar kind of speed tester for your site that kind of grades your WordPress installation. Um, another company that's local in Philly actually has done a great job on this is RJ Metrics. They're like a data analytics company and they, you know, have made a bunch of different tools just for like data engineers, um, you know, like helping convert database queries from one language to another, just useful things that people want that aren't really products. And then people use it and then it's like, you know, sponsored by our data metrics kind of thing. I note that you have trade shows listed as a possible traction channel. Is that like, does that work? <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely does work. Yeah. That, that's my point. Don't discount it. <laughs> okay. So, but for example, does, would trade shows work for DuckDuckGo? Probably not, right? It's very, like, it's, it's got to be something specific. Like, I don't know, you make cheese or something. Um, it could work. You'd be surprised. So like for DuckDuckGo, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of big SEO trade shows, mm, you know, mm. people trying to webmasters trying to rate after their search engine. So if we had a strategy, which we're not pursuing, but of like trying to get people to do site search, you know, something like that, mm. add DuckDuckGo for their site search, um, it would probably be pretty effective for us to go to trade shows. Um, can people gain but, DuckDuckGo results? You just, just thought about that. Now um, you mentioned SEO. Yeah. Probably, although I'm not going to tell you how. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I mean, I guess you can game any search engine once you, there's probably going to be a day when you're releasing like Panda and things like that. Yeah. I mean, the reality is, yeah, if you, if you know all the algorithmic stuff, you can, you can game it. Okay. Well, we won't mention anything about that then. Um, so just looking elsewhere for, for other interesting things. So existing platforms, I'm guessing that's talking about well, actually, what is that? What is your existing platforms chapter talking about? App stores, um, oh, right. like Chrome extension stores, you know, emerging platforms like, you know, a Snapchat or a Pinterest, you know, so, something that you can, that they don't really have like an ad platform, but you you can jump on and kind of be part of it. I know last time we spoke about affiliate programs, um, but I'd be curious to hear if you learned anything new about that. If you had any other new insi- insights? Not really. You know, it's one of these... It was one of the ones I actually wanted to try for traction book, but just, you know, it, it back to the critical path point, you know, like just didn't because podcasts and email were so successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe when this dies down, I might try it, but no, I don't have any, I don't have any new, new, new things to say there. I mean, it just, it seems like it's something that's going to be, it seems like a no brainer, but I mean, I, I think I mentioned last time, you know, I tried that with Plugio and it just, 
it, it it really depends on the quality of the affiliate and how passionate and interested that in your product they are. Like there definitely was like maybe two affiliates. I guess they call them super affiliates who yep. just were really good at it, but everyone else, it was pretty much a waste of time. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, here, like that's a good test. And then if you're really doubling down on it, then you have to really figure out how to get more of the super affiliates, yeah. right? <laughs> that's like the key part of that traction channel. So you have to go figure out how to source those people. Often they are, they can end up being, you know, just members from your user base um, who also happen to be affiliate people because the best people to push it are people who really understand the product, right? And use it. Um, and so there were some cases in the book where, you know, people try to find that overlap of like, you know, people who have audiences already um, and then kind of use them as affiliate people. Um, but yeah, it's difficult. That, that's, that's where that one is hard to scale, finding better affiliates. What's middle ring tests? So we simplified the the framework in the rewrite. It was a five step process, um, and simplified it down to three steps. Mm. And the first step is you know brainstorming, and essentially that's the place we talked about earlier where people get wrong. They just don't consider all the channels, mm -hmm. um, which is just a really bad mistake. <laughs> um, the second one is this middle ring test, and it, we're basically using the bullseye metaphor. So you have the outer ring of all the channels. The middle ring um, is that second ring where you have fewer, and that's where you're running these tests. And so the middle ring tests are trying to determine whether that channel could be successful or not. And the way people mess that up is is they they try to optimize here instead of just trying to test the waters, right? So you tested that affiliate piece, you found two affiliates that could work, that, you know, you'd stop there to see if it was successful or not and compare that to your other tests as opposed to, or say you ran the Facebook ads that you're going to do. Instead of running 40 ads and trying to optimize it all, just run like four and see if, see how they, well they do. Um, and then finally, the inner inner circle tests are now you pick one channel that's working and you really double down on it, ignore the rest. So you're, so you're kind of using like you're starting with surface area to try and work out what the best things are and then you're just gradually getting closer and closer to your one that has the highest leverage. The bullseye, if you will. <laughs> was, it, was there anything else that you wanted to, uh, to bring up? No, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks, thanks very much for coming on. It's been great to have a catch up. Same. I wish you good luck on your actual launch. Yeah, thanks. Well, I guess there's going to be multiple launches is it, for, for like your second, your second, second of many launches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm sure we will be speaking to you again soon. Next time you launch traction <laughs> with your yeah. super publisher or something like that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thank you very much. I guess that's a wrap. We're out.